Hey, what's up, everybody? How are you guys doing today? Good to have you with us. What's up, Cape Christian Online? So glad that you are with us in our Gamer Series. That was the most exciting video we've just seen because finally Mario's getting some help, right? Sometimes you just need a little bit of help. Well, we are in week four of our series called Gamer, and we've been kind of paralleling life and following Jesus to this wonderful Mario uh, world. And the first week we just talked about, you have to have a mission to play for, that you were put on the earth to live for and be about something bigger than yourself. In week two, we talked about the importance of the pause button. And sometimes you just need to stop and, and, and have margin. Last week, we talked about everybody's favorite subjects, uh, adversity, challenges, and obstacles. And then this week, we're going to bring out uh, our, our favorite thing is, what do we do uh, when we're on that mission? What do we do when the obstacles come? Sometimes in life, you just need a little bit of help. You need uh, some power-ups, if you will. And, uh, and so in the Mario game, you have all kinds of things like this. You have the game designers knew that if you were ever going to even have a chance to complete this game, beat this game, make it to the end, that probably just on your own wasn't going to make it. You were going to need some help. You were going to need some power-ups. You were going to need some things along the way that when the, the, the world itself and the challenges themselves got too difficult, became too much, it was too much you could handle, that there were some things that you were going to get. So they put all kinds of stars and flowers and mushrooms. And this one's like extra big this week. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, you want it a little too much. I'm going to keep it up here. Uh, and so the designers knew you were going to need some power-ups. And here's what I love about it. God knew the same thing. At the beginning of this story, we go all the way back to the garden. When sin entered the world, we started kind of living on our own outside of God. God knew that we were not going to make it on our own, that we were going to need some help. There were going to be challenges. There were going to be obstacles, that life would get too difficult, whether it be work, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships. And so uh, I, I, on the back end of a tougher conversation last week about what do we do with obstacles, I want to have this conversation that I have some really good news that God has given us some things, and specifically one thing that really, really helps you out when uh, life happens when you're going through this beautiful world that he created, um, but especially when the challenges and the obstacles come. In the Mario game, the power-ups give you the greatest advantage when the game is the most difficult and the challenges and the obstacles are the hardest. In life, the power-up, the, 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 the cheat code power-up that God gave us probably is to your greatest asset when life gets at its most difficult and when the obstacles feel like they're too much. And so uh, I want to talk about this, and this one's going to be a little bit uh, different. We're going to go through a little bit more scripture because the power-up that God gave everybody, and this is really, um, we see it a little bit in the Old Testament, but very specifically after Jesus, God gave everybody who would call on the name of Jesus, anybody who would be a Jesus follower, he gave us the equivalent of all of this. It's, it's kind of more like, I don't know, like that star we just saw in the video. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And so I want to have a conversation today. I want to have a conversation this weekend about the Holy Spirit. And before we do, I just want to say a couple of things about that because I know we have a lot of different denominational backgrounds. We have a lot of different experiences. Uh, for 2,000 years, there have been all kinds of debates and arguments and conversations and beliefs and philosophies from very brilliant and God-fearing people about the Holy Spirit and who is the Holy Spirit and what is the function and, and all this. And so what I am not going to do today is get into the weeds, but what I'm going to do is take a look at it from kind of the bigger, broader perspective and hope to start a conversation and even a journey for many of us. My goal is not to answer every question this weekend, but that you would be so curious that you would go start digging for yourself because here's what I do know in my experience. 
experience. If you start digging for yourself, you're really gonna like what you come up with. You're gonna like what you find. And, and, and God and his word and his goodness and his, is meant to be mined as much as it's meant to be defined. But I will say this, and I will caution any of you, and maybe it's even a, to check in your heart, but I will say this. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's, there's probably more that we don't know than we do know. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And so for us to claim that we fully grasp or we fully understand, or we can, we can put our, our, our hearts and minds around God, I think is very, very arrogant and foolish. So we're going to come at it with a humble posture and, and, and look at specifically, here's the three things we're gonna look at. What did Jesus say about it? What does the Bible say about it? And what happened when he showed up in the Bible? So I'm not gonna quote a bunch of theologians and historians. I'm not gonna give you a bunch of my stories. We're literally just gonna walk through scripture and I'll just caution you with one thing when it comes to this topic of the Holy Spirit. Beware of anybody who thinks they have the market cornered. Anybody who knows that they know and this is how it has to be and this is how it, run from them. That is a person who probably doesn't have the humility to go, there might be more to this thing, this God, this world than, I, than I'm aware of. And so I've been, I've been journeying personally with the Holy Spirit most of my life. I've experienced most of anything the Bible talks about in the New Testament, whether it be the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, uh, I've, I've seen most of it most of my life. And I just told somebody this week, the more I've learned, the less I'm sure of because I wanna have a posture of humility. So we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit because I'm not, and I'm not joking, God gave us the Holy Spirit and it is literally like a power-up or a cheat code. It can help you through some of the most unimaginable times. It can help you manage the good times. It can help you with people. It can help you uh, in this good, beautiful world. And, uh, and the, the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of powering up your life, but you have to be willing to invite him and you have to be willing to engage into a relationship with him. And so um, I wanna talk about what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit. And, that, and then at the end, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take communion together. We're gonna celebrate communion because uh, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And so if you did not get communion, just slip your hand up uh, and, um, and uh, I'm not sure will get that to you. If you're online with us, grab anything. Anything works. God sees your heart. I promise anything works. So um, if you can eat it or drink it, it works. So, uh, so Jesus actually had a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. If you look at the book of John, I wanna go, I wanna start here first. If you look at the book of John, John's account of the last days of Jesus is very different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, John was actually one of Jesus's followers. So he was in a lot of these conversations. And so if you look, actually John 13 through 17 is a big patch of scripture, but it's all kind of this ongoing conversation that happens the week before Jesus dies on the cross. And so um, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit and he starts to indicate some things um, in John. And so we're gonna look at what are the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. We understand, we believe as a, as a church that God is a triune being, that, he, that he's all one God, but there's three parts to him, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, and we, we, I think we get kind of off on the Father part, the, the Son, Jesus part, we have the easiest time with, and the Holy Spirit, we're like, yeah, I don't know. Here's what we don't wanna be. We don't wanna be the type of believers or church who go, well, we don't know, so we're just not gonna talk about it, and we're not gonna look at it, and we're just gonna pretend it's not there. We don't do that with any part of the Bible, and we're not gonna do it with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank you, okay, okay, okay. All right, good, whew. That was, I'm, I'm feeling better now. So in this conversation, Jesus says a lot of things in, uh, about the Holy Spirit. And I wanna just dive into this real quick on a couple things. Uh, John 14, 16, Jesus is just basically giving them marching orders, preparing them for him to be gone, to go to the cross. He knows it's about time to be done. And he says a lot, he's comforting his disciples. He's giving them some clues. And then he says this in John chapter 14, verse 16, he says this, if, and I will go and I will ask the father, 
and he's gonna give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Somebody say advocate. Okay, so this is a big statement because Jesus has been like their backup plan, their security blanket, their salvation, right? Everywhere Jesus went, they went. Jesus kind of took care of business on their behalf. Like he very much advocated for them. Like these guys are with me, they're good with me. Like that's what Jesus did. Jesus made these guys feel and do a whole lot of things they never felt and did before Jesus, right? But he says he's gonna advocate for you and he will be with you and help you forever. Here's what Jesus knew that they didn't know. Jesus's time was limited. Jesus could only be one place at one time because he chose to confine himself to our, our boundaries and parameters. But he had a, a plan, but he says, I'm gonna send another advocate who's literally me. It's literally me. It's, it's literally the same as me, but he's not gonna leave like I'm about to leave. And, he's, and his role is he's gonna advocate for you. And it says he's going to what? Help you. If something as powerful as Jesus, powerful as Jesus is promising to help me, advocate for me and be with me forever, I'm like, okay, you have my attention. Tell me a little bit more. So I'm gonna assume a couple of you are there with me, so we're gonna keep going. So he's talking about the advocate. He's, he goes on. Later on in the same, uh, I'm just gonna show you the few references Jesus makes. Later on in the same chapter, which by the way, we are the ones that added chapters and verses. Back then, this would have kind of all been a lot of the same narrative and conversation. If you keep going in chapter 14, later on, about 10 verses later or so, he says, all this I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. He says that in verse 25. And then he says in verse 26, but the advocate who's the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, is gonna teach you, somebody say teach, and remind you, somebody say remind, of everything I have said to you. So Jesus kind of keeps, thank you for that. So Jesus keeps coming back to this idea like, I'm gonna go, but the advocate, who is what? The Holy Spirit, he's gonna help you. He's gonna advocate for you. And here's the part that, and now we start to see the function of him. He's saying, here's what he's gonna do. He's actually gonna teach you things. The real truth, the way the world is meant to be, the way following me is meant to do, he's gonna make things make sense in a world where things don't make sense. This is why I can't afford not to have the Holy Spirit. Because I, I always say like, so I, I preach the Bible for dummies version because that's how I need it explained to me. Like the for dummies reason, like explain it to me like I'm five. So Jesus' job is to, is to teach me and help me to understand him, his kingdom in a world that does not understand him and does not understand his kingdom. It's also going to remind me. I don't have time to tell you stories, but I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have blatantly forgot something important or something has jumped into my mind and it's not because I was praying, fasting and being spiritual. But so I, I, there's so many times when something has happened and all of a sudden I have this thought like, I'm supposed to be with them in 30 minutes and it's a 20 minute drive. I have countless, countless stories of the Holy Spirit literally bringing the most important, selfless, kingdom-minded part of my day to my mind while I am so not there. <laughs> Why? Because his job and his promise was he's gonna remind me. Multiple times I've been doing something very different and a name or somebody I'm thinking of just jumps into my head and I learned a long time ago rather than be like, oh, I hope Johnny's okay. I grab out my phone and I go, send Johnny a text message. What would you like to say to Johnny? Tell Johnny, hey bro, just thinking about you, hope all is well. I can't tell you the literally hundreds of times that my, the response is always the same. Dude, it's so crazy that you just text me. Here's what I got going on, blah, 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 blah. And they just needed to know that somebody was there, cared for them, I got to pray for them. The Holy Spirit is really good at teaching and the Holy Spirit is really, really good at reminding. The Holy Spirit's really good at reminding me when I want to react the way I want to react to certain situations, that that's not who you really wanna be and that won't go well for anyone. Oh, but it'll feel really good. 
in the moment, and then you get to pay the price. So he's gonna remind me, he's gonna teach me, he's gonna help me, he's gonna be my advocate. An advocate is somebody who goes on behalf of and speaks on behalf of. I don't know about you, but the creator God of the universe, the spirit of Jesus, that's somebody I want advocating for me. Especially if he is who he says he is. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. And then um, he goes on in the next chapter, same conversation, John, 20, uh, John 15. Now he's gonna start talking to them. He's kind of weaving this, this conversation. If you skip forward a little bit further, he comes back to the Holy Spirit and he says, here's more of what he's gonna do. Here's the work or the function of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 15, verse 26, he says, now when the advocate comes, whom I'm gonna send to you from the Father. So he's like, he's being really clear. Like, I'm going to the Father, I leave, Holy Spirit comes, we're all the same, it's the same deal, and he's the advocate. Being really clear, he says, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Well, that's important. That means he's gonna point everything to Jesus because it's the same Spirit. It's a, it's a unified God, so everything the Spirit does is gonna be in line with what Jesus said, what Jesus taught, what Jesus believes, and what the Bible says. So the Spirit is not in contrary to the Bible. It's not in contrary to the Old Testament, New Testament. Jesus, it all points to Jesus. The Old Testament points up to Jesus. The New Testament points back to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus and makes us like Jesus and points the world to Jesus. Like, that's what he does. He testifies about Jesus. So this should matter. Then he says, this is, I say this all the time. I already tease this out, but then he says the craziest thing I think Jesus ever said. Later on in chapter 16, he's continuing to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. And if I was a disciple, I would not have liked this part of the conversation. And it's when he says this, very truly I tell you, verse seven, it is good for you that I am going away. Again, I've already made this joke, but I'll say it again. They weren't doing very good with Jesus. And so he says, hey, you know what would be better for you is if I go. Like, bad idea. Like, we're barely making it with you, dude. Like, we're barely making it. Like you're bailing us out all the time. You're advocating for us. You're reminding us. You're teaching us. You're helping us. And we're like, you know, barely pass fail on the pass side of things. And he's like, no, here's why. But then he says, here's why. Unless I go away, the advocate can't come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. Well, I'm going to spoil it for you. If you read the rest of the New Testament, turns out it was way better that Jesus left. Because these kind of nincompoop pansies became super bold men of God that changed the world upside down for Jesus. The same guys who denied and were afraid, a couple weeks later, something massive happened to them. And it's the same thing that God wants to happen inside of each and every one of us. And so Jesus says, I'm gonna send this. So that's what Jesus had to say. And Jesus goes on. And here's basically, after that, Jesus starts to pray. He gets arrested and he gets killed. The rest is history. We've been talking about it like the last six weeks. He goes, to, he goes to the cross, he comes back to life, he goes to heaven, and then, and, then, and then we fast forward to like life after Jesus. And that's where we get the book of Acts. And so that's what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we just mean the same spirit that, ra that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit of God that is God. It's the same spirit that would come upon Saul and David and some of them in the, New Test in the Old Testament, but we see that he would come and then he would leave. This is a very different proposition. And so what did it look like when the advocate actually came? Now that you know what Jesus said, let's look real quick. What does the Bible say about when it happened? What was that like? Because we're gonna end with what does this mean for us here and now? And we're gonna answer a couple of questions. So we gotta go to the next, the next part of the book is Acts. Acts chapter one is kind of the beginning of life after Jesus. And so I just wanna read you four quick verses in Acts one. Um, this is actually an account before Jesus left to heaven uh, and he's with the disciples and we pick it up here and it says this, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, the trainer, the, the, the good guy, all that. He's saying, wait for him. He says, for John the Baptist, he baptized in water, 
But in a few days, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that word baptized means submerged or immersed. So he says, you've heard about baptism. We know about that. There's something else coming. And he goes, go wait in Jerusalem for it. He says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you this time gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? I wish I had so much more time because these guys still are like, when are we gonna be back in power? When do we get control of the economy? When are we the political party that's dominant? He's like, dudes, we're not doing that. My kingdom's not over this world. Let's not of this world. I already, they already killed me once for this. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but we'll let that matter to people it needs to matter to. I'm gonna bring people to heaven. We're gonna build my kingdom. So they're like, they're like, okay, cool about the Holy Spirit, but when do we get to be in charge of the whole thing? And he's like, no. I, these disciples, they needed the Holy Spirit so bad. Um, so do I. So he says to them, it's not you, for you to know the dates or times that my father has set by own authority. He basically says, don't even worry about it. We're not talking about that. He says, but, so he's, he answers their question. He's like, we're not talking about that. But then he says this in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. You will literally receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It will be like you ate this weird mushroom that looked like it wasn't going to kill you. And you are like, you double in size. You have the capability to leap further. Bad things can hit you and it might diminish you a little, but you're still better than, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, and you have to get this, comes on you and you will all do all kinds of weird, crazy things. Nope. Nope. You will receive power and you will start having amazing church services where it's just like saturating. Nope. You will receive power and you will become a spiritual elitist. Nope. See, this is all the stuff that we're getting wrong, American church. You will receive power and here's how you'll know and here's how the world will know you have the Holy Spirit. You can't help but be like me to everybody. You will be my witnesses. You will tell the world about Jesus. You will show the world what Jesus is like. You will live like me, forgive like me, talk like me, have grace like me. You will have a kingdom mindset, world perspective. You will be selfless. You will be patient. You will be my witnesses. It may lead to some stuff that you're gonna read later on in the New Testament. It may lead to some gatherings, but ultimately, anytime there's a move of the Spirit, it should always be followed by evangelism. Not more gatherings where we feel better about ourselves and nothing changes when we leave the room. And I can say that because I'm Pentecostal. <laughs> or somewhere on the spectrum. I don't know where I am. Searching. The more I learn, the less I'm sure of. You will be my witnesses. And he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria in the uttermost parts of the earth. And you know what he does? He literally draws a geographic target. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And the, uh, he says, Everywhere you go, whether it's in prison or in a palace or whether you're on the job or on your day off, there's gonna be opportunities to show the world what I'm like, to be me with skin on, to tell people the goodness of me, to tell people there's freedom in Christ. You will be my witnesses. You will have this channel dialed purpose focus that you can't help but go, man, this is what I do with my kids and this is where I coach and this is my job, but I am about something bigger than me. And it will, it will be like a, it will, I'm telling you, it's like, a superpower sometimes. And so he says, here's what you look for. He's like, you go wait for me. I'm gonna send the advocate and you're gonna receive power. And, and again, later they're kind of like, well, how will we know? He's like, y'all know. And if you jump to, to chapter two, they knew. And so let's go, how did it happen? Where did it all go down? We see the first outpouring of this. They were celebrating Pentecost, which was already an event that the Jews celebrated. There were about 120 of them in this upper room and they were doing exactly what Jesus said. Wait for me until I send you the power-ups. 
And that's exactly what happened. If we jump to Acts 2, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in that one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire separated and came and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. This was crazy. The first time the Holy Spirit was given, it was not like, ah, I think I got it. I don't know. Like, there was a wind from heaven, something like tongues, not actual tongues, but tongues showed up, and all of a sudden, these uneducated dudes start speaking in other languages. Here's how you know, because if you keep reading, I'm not going to, I'll summarize it. But what happens is they're like, now all of a sudden, guess what happened? They receive power. They got, I'm telling you, if you read it, read the book of Acts. They got powered up. In fact, they all are so stoked about what just happened. They leave the room and they're speaking in these languages that they're not even, they don't even educated in. And, and it goes through about seven or eight or nine of them in the book of Acts. And they're all in a different language they can't speak, telling of the wonders and truths of Jesus. Because they were just given power to be like Jesus, to tell people about Jesus. They were given power to be his witnesses as they enabled them. In fact, they get, they get, it gets so crazy. They're like, they're all drunk. And Peter's like, no, we're not drunk. It's only nine. Like, give us a little bit of credit. It's only nine in the morning. Like, you know, he's like, we're not drunk as you suppose. And so he stands up and he tells the story with Jesus. Jesus was a prophet. You guys didn't recognize him. You killed him. You, we're the ones who put him on the cross. It's our sin. But guess what? He's so good. He forgave us. And anybody who like wants to believe in him and follow him, his way is best. And it's not about the stuff we thought it was. And it's not about the stuff you thought it was, but he's about a bigger, better kingdom. And he's, he's onto something. And the end, in the end of chapter two, I just summarized, it says this uh, after Peter, remember this is, by the way, this is two weeks after Peter was like, ah, the bad guys, let's run. I don't know Jesus. Two weeks, maybe, maybe five, maybe five weeks. Two to five weeks after Jesus, Peter denies Jesus and runs and is nowhere to be found. Same guy stands up. He's like, hey, everybody, let me tell you something. What was the difference? Did he just get his Wheaties that morning? No. He received the Holy Spirit. He got his power up. And he's, he lays it out so clearly. Watch the effect Peter had on them. In verse 37, it says, when the people heard Peter, heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, what do we do? Tell us more. You're right. I'm convicted. I've been playing the wrong game. I've been on the wrong mission. We believe the wrong thing. We made it about the wrong things. What do we do? And he goes, here's it. Peter says, you just need to repent and you need to be baptized each and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You need, he's saying, when he says baptized, you need to associate yourself with no longer Judaism or the temple, but with Jesus. And then he says, and when you do that, after that, then you're also gonna receive this power. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you too can be like us. Uneducated, ordinary, B-team, leftover men, but just trusted Jesus enough with our life that received the Holy Spirit, and now it's about to be different. And if you read Acts to the end, it's a very different group of guys than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What's the biggest difference? The Holy Spirit. And it's game over. Now, there's all kinds of scripture and there's all kinds of, uh, 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 there's all kinds of different accounts of this. Paul writes about it in, in Acts, if, uh, in Galatians, in Corinthians. There's all kinds of conversations about the Holy Spirit and what he does and his function. And again, I hope you go dig because there's a lot to be said about, well, how will I know? There's all kinds of symptoms. There's certain gifts. There's certain um, um, things that sometimes happen like prophecy and, and words of knowledge. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Uh, and there, there's other things. But, but Jesus didn't say to focus on that. You know what Jesus said to focus on? Focus on me and focus on waiting what I told you for and make sure that it always continues to be about me. 
See, I think the reason we've gotten so messed up on the Holy Spirit is because we've made it about a whole bunch of other things other than Jesus. Meetings and gifts and who has what and all this. And Jesus says, I just want to give you this power up. And because life's going to come at you with these, like, these obstacles and you can overcome them when I'm in you. And, uh, and so we see throughout the, the scripture, there's several different distinctions where when Paul is introducing new believers to this idea that there is, an, there is a difference between um, profession of faith in Jesus or what we call being born again or salvation and being filled with the spirit or receiving the spirit. What we believe and what the Bible teaches is that anybody who decides to follow Jesus, who says yes to Jesus, who surrenders their life to Jesus, the, the, the Bible teaches in Corinthians that the old things have passed away and all things have become new. You are literally given like a new spirit man inside of you. It doesn't mean your past isn't your past. It doesn't mean your personality changes, but something wells up in you. And anybody who's had that actual experience, you were different. You were like, something happened to me and I've been different. That is when you get a new spirit and you are in, the, you are in the, the kingdom of God. You are a son or a daughter, but it is different than this gift of the Holy Spirit because Paul in, in, and just for the sake of, of, of biblical text, I'm just gonna show you one example. This happens three or four times in Acts, but he says this, he's talking to these new believers. And some of us, I think we've made that, I have decided to follow Jesus, I'm born again, but we, we didn't know what to do or no one's explained to us this other idea of like, you're in the game, but you're like little Mario. And nobody told you like, hey guys, there's more. And so I'm just telling you, there's more. Uh, more on that in a second. But in Acts chapter eight, he's describing this kind of phenomenon to some new believers. And he says to them in verse 15, this is Paul talking. He says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had just been simply baptized in the Lord Jesus. Do you see that? So do you, all I want you to take away, 30,000 foot view is there's a delineation. There is something that happens when you put your faith and you get baptized in the name of Jesus, but there's a separate power up. There's, a, I got in the game, I'm in the right world, but there's something else. There's this receiving or being filled with the, the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul also writes uh, in another place, and this is where I wanna kind of hang out for the rest of this, because now we're gonna talk about what does this mean for us? Because I feel like I have, there's plenty of tension in here. I have your attention. What does this mean for us? Well, Paul writes about this a lot in Ephesians, in Galatians, in Corinthians. He writes about it a whole lot. But he says something really, really interesting and really particular that I think captures this, and it's really simple, and it's in the book of Ephesians. It's a letter to, again, new believers in a church in Ephesus. Uh, and and I, I found a translation, just a part of the scripture, that more accurately um, uh, the, uh, conveys the... Um, the language of the text, of, of, of how it would have read or how it would have heard uh, then. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and this is where we're gonna touch, kind of transition a little bit. In Ephesians 5, 18, Paul says this, and he's telling, talking to believers that are probably like us. He says this, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the original language is, is kind of worded, actually, it says, be being filled with the Spirit. Paul's encouragement to the church of Ephesus is continue to be refilled. Again, um, minus the gas prices, think of your gas tank. It's, it's, the, it's a great analogy. It's, he's saying there is, a, there is a filling of the Holy Spirit that happens, but he's saying continue, make it a practice to ask for, receive, and be filled with the Spirit. And so uh, that's, that's where I want to stop kind of for now, and I want to I kind of make an application because I wanted to show you what Jesus said. I wanted to show you how it went in the Bible. And then Paul says a lot of stuff like this. And again, I hope a lot of you are like, oh, I don't know about this. I hope all of you are either compelled or irritated either way enough to go like read it all for yourself. Either way, good things will happen. Um, 
And so what the best analogy or the best way I could think of this is what does it mean? What did Paul mean? What does it mean to be filled with the spirit? And so here's my invitation. Here's my hope. Here's, this is the game changer that some of you have been waiting your whole life for, whether you've never said yes to Jesus and you're doing it all tonight, or whether you've kind of been doing the, the baptized Christian thing, but you've been missing out on the power-ups. The best analogy I could think of is like this. We are like a sponge. This, I mean, this holds true on so many levels. Your mind, your heart are like a sponge in that whatever you saturate yourself with is kind of what you become made up of. Anger, hurt, betrayal, toxic relationships, health, healthy relationships, whatever you put yourself in is what you're gonna get out. So the Holy Spirit is like an endless purifier power up. And what Paul is saying is he's saying, continue to be filled with the Spirit. So what he's saying is you have to invite or make yourself available that you will intentionally saturate yourself in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna leave that there for a second. I'm gonna sh- and, and I'm gonna sh- tell you, what does that mean? What does that look like? Let me just tell you how it plays out very simply in my life and has for like, oh, the last 30 years. It's a pretty simple prayer that I do almost every day, sometimes multiple times a day, depending on how many of you I have to meet with. I mean, what I'm doing that day. Um, I'm kidding, mostly, Mo- mostly, just mostly. And it goes like this. A sponge in and of itself is pretty useless, right? A sponge in and of itself is kind of nothing until it gets saturated with something. That's kind of like how I, I, I think accurately about myself. Like there's not really much good in me when I'm left to my own devices. But I believe there's a Jesus who loves me, who created me and has good things for me. And so far that's kind of played out in enough areas where I'm starting to believe him. And so I, I pray a prayer like this. And it's pretty much every morning. Holy Spirit, I'm empty again. Yesterday took most of what I had. Anything good is gone. So I need you to refill me now. I want to love like you love. When I walk into rooms, I wanna see what you see. I want to be perceptive of what you're seeing and what's going on versus what a world would maybe look past or overlook. I wanna hear what you hear God, I know you're always up to work on our, our planet and in my world, so I wanna see where you're maybe at work, whether it's an encouragement or a notice or whatever it is. I need your fruit and I need your love and I need you to flow out of me and it's mostly clogged and gone. And so will you fill me? And I pray some scripture. I sing a song usually that's about surrender or I'll journal or I'll sing a song about fill me again. I have a, a song called Spirit Lead Me that I'm just listening to on repeat right now because I know if I'm left to myself, I'm gonna overreact, under respond. I'm gonna lose my cool. I'm gonna miss you. I'm gonna be about me because I love me some me when I'm left to myself. So I need Jesus. I need your Holy Spirit to help me get my eyes off. And here's how this works. And, and I, I can tell you, this is how it plays out in my life on a regular basis. It's like I, I just give, I, I give God enough time and space in my life and I just soak for a minute. And here's the thing about being filled with the Spirit. All of a sudden, I feel saturated. I'm telling you, sometimes I feel different. Sometimes it's faith. But I will tell you, that first meeting, that first person that cuts me off in traffic, that first time, something different starts to come out of me. And it's whatever I was soaking with. Now, here's what's interesting about a sponge. Even if you're completely saturated, what happens over time? You leak a little, right? Now, that's just on a good day. What happens when the bills don't make sense or you have tension with your spouse or stuff's frustrating at work? You get squeezed. Well, all of a sudden, well, I had a whole bunch of Holy Spirit start today, but stupid board meeting took it all. <laughs> I'm not talking about our board. I'm sorry you thought that. 
I think we have a couple of them in here. I think we're good, okay. Or at least they're kids. What happens? By the end of a day or a couple days or a week, there's not much left. So next time, because when I get squeezed, whenever you get squeezed, what's in you comes out of you. So when I know I'm going to get squeezed, because this world's crazy, I want the Holy Spirit to come out of me. But what happens? I pray that one prayer. I get filled one time. I go to tomorrow, and I'm like, I need to be filled. But the problem is there's nothing draining anymore. Now I'm just me again. And I probably got some Netflix, and I probably got some crazy music that pulled up to me in Target, and I got somebody who was angry at me, and I got that. And now when I get squeezed, anger and selfishness and bitterness and all the things of the world. And so what do I got to do? the next morning or later that day before the next meeting or the next thing, Holy Spirit, I'm empty again. Will you fill me? Will you refill me? Help me to love like you love. Help me to listen like you listen. Help me to have compassion. Help me to see everyone as equal created in your image and treat them as such. Help me not to come across as too busy or too important. Let me be reminded that I'm your servant and all of a sudden, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of journal, a little bit of worship, sometimes multiple times a day, hopefully most times at least once a day. Now all of a sudden, it leaks a little bit, but it's in there. Now what happens? I get squeezed again. Ooh, I want that coming out of me. It's, it's the simplest but best picture I could give you. Your heart, your mind is like a sponge. What is it to be filled with the Spirit? It could be as simple as this. God, I don't know what that crazy pastor guy was talking about, but if there's anything to what he read in Acts, I want it for me. Because the Bible says that man looks on the outer appearance, but God sees your heart. So he knows what you need before you ask, and he knows what he wants to do for you. And he's just looking for somebody. It says he's standing at the door knocking. He's just looking for anybody to open, and he will unleash heaven in your heart. He will unleash heaven in your mind. And you will. Listen, I'm telling you, some of you, you need to hear this. You can become that loving husband you, you never thought you can be. You can forgive a wound you thought you would never forgive. You can get healing. You can forgive. You can get freedom. You can be a, a, the, the parent. You can be the friend. You can let go of things. You can find yourself doing things that are unnatural. They're actually supernatural because the supernatural God who created the earth and sent Jesus actually lives inside of you. I walk around with the humility, but the understanding that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead actually lives inside of me. So I can love when I should hate. I can forgive when I should get bitter. I can be patient when everything in me wants to freak out, like whatever it is. And I'm telling you as a 40 something year old, this thing has played itself out way too many times in my life that I will take this to my grave. And some of you, I love that you have Jesus, but oh man, if you'll make a if you'll make it a, a, a practice and a principle of continually being filled with the Spirit, you're about to level up. And, you're, and I'm not, listen, don't hear me, don't hear me say, you're gonna get a bigger house. Don't hear me say, you're gonna have more money. Don't hear me say, it's gonna be easier. I'm talking level up in your heart, in, your, in the way you live. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about patience. I'm talking about grace. In fact, Paul goes on. And he gives us what it'll look like. How do I know? So there's two questions. And we're gonna close with these two questions. The first question is, is, is a fair one that we've been arguing about for 2,000 years. How do I know if I get the Holy Spirit? Well, go read the New Testament because there's all kinds of things that could happen. They might, they might not. I've seen it. I've seen it real. I've seen it manufactured, whatever. You can figure that out. I ain't God. But I can tell you this. Here's one way you will know. How will you know if you got the Holy Spirit? An unnatural love will come into you. You will love yourself you will feel loved by the most powerful loving force. It is undescribable. It is undeniable. An unnatural love will come into you. And do you know what will happen because it does? An unnatural love will come out of you. 
because this whole thing is about love. And so, yes, is there prophecy? Yeah, probably. Is there tongues? Yeah, probably. Is there all the other stuff? Yeah, probably. But Paul said in Corinthians 13, if it's not around love, it's just noise and it doesn't matter anyway. And so, how do I know? You will feel deeply and dearly loved by the most powerful force of the universe to the point where you might actually like and love yourself. That's my story. And the reciprocal, the reciprocal of that will be, you will be, you will love people in a way that you are not capable of. You will be a better husband or wife, a better parent, a better father, a better employee, a better employer. You will be kind, you will be good, you will be generous. Even if you're none of those things, it will come out of you. And especially if you make it a practice and you continue to grow in it, it just starts to become who you are. And all of a sudden people will say things about you like, if you knew me, that couldn't be true. Well, what is it? I have the power up. I, every day, I, I, my, I'm, I'm so desperate for it. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you know I don't even have a chance today without you, so let's do this. Like, that's where we're at, him and I. Like, nobody wants to be around me today if I don't get you. And I'm really aware of that. And I believe there's a lot of, I believe there's a lot of response to that humility, to be honest. And so an unnatural love comes into you and an unnatural love comes out of you. Isn't that what we're all really looking for to start with anyway? And then Paul goes on in another letter and he's like, well, how, how do I, how, how, will I, how else will I know? In Galatians chapter five, I'm gonna go real quick through this because we got to close. Paul also says there's some evidence. There's some symptoms. He calls it fruit. There's fruit of being filled with the Spirit. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, he says this. Here's the evidence. Here's the fruit. Here's what will come out of your life, and here's what you will look like. Love. Joy. Joy will come into your life and joy will go out of your life. Joy, even when it doesn't look like there's things to be happy about. Peace, a peace that is beyond and surpassing understanding and the world will not understand. Even when things are not amazing, there will be peace. Patience, even when everything else is pulling at you and it's, you feel stretched, there will be an unnatural patience come into you and come out of you because of the work the Spirit is doing in you. Kindness, you will be a kind person even if your dad wasn't and your mom wasn't and your granddaddy wasn't and you come from a line of people who were just not kind people, you will be kind. Goodness, you will be a good person. You will understand this is a good world. You will see things as good. You will not be distracted by evil. Faithfulness, you'll be loyal, you'll be faithful. You can have character, you can be a person of your word. They're all right there. Gentleness, you'll be gentle. It doesn't mean soft or weak. You can still have a million muscles. Some of you, you, you have that, it's fine. But you can be a gentle giant. You can be gentle in your response. You can be gentle in the way you respond and talk to people. And here's a big one. In a world where everybody's like, I just can't. You will have self-control. Self-control, the ability to say no to the things you shouldn't do and yes to the things you should. How will I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? That stuff's gonna start coming out of you. It's gonna come into you. And oh, by the way, some side note, this is just fun for me. When Paul talks about that, that word fruit isn't a plural word. It's actually a singular word. So you don't pick your favorite three. All nine of them should come out of you. That's how it works. How will I know? If an unnatural love comes into me and an unnatural love starts coming out of me and my life starts looking like that, I might be full of the spirit. How do I get it? Oh, this is the best part. Stand up, open your hands, close your eyes, bring me money. No, it's none of those things. 
Jesus said the answer to this question. He was referring to, he was kind of forecasting at one of his first messages, uh, but it applies to this. In Matthew chapter seven, he says this, anyone who asks, receives. Anyone who seeks, finds. And anyone who knocks, the door will be open. Which one of you, by the way, if your son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would you give him a snake? If you then, being evil, talking to us, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give good gifts to those who ask? How do I get it? He's talking about the Holy Spirit right there, by the way. You ask. God, I need to receive your Holy Spirit. For me, I typically physically try to posture myself in the way my heart responds. Often I will bow my knees or I will raise my arms and surrender because I just want him to know that I am humbling myself. God, I need you to fill me with your spirit. Again, I think this might've happened to me. I think it's probably happened to me a bunch of times. You know what else has happened to me a bunch of times? Ah, it's all gone. So great if you've experienced it, like get more tomorrow. Get him again, get him again. Start your day, start your lunch, start your meeting. Holy Spirit, will you feel me? I feel ugly, I'm mad, I'm discouraged. I need to love like you love. God, we wanna be people who love like you love, who live the way you called us to live. We wanna be patient with people. We wanna be people of peace. We don't wanna get sucked into the nonsense. Fill us with your spirit. And then you know what he says later on? He says, then learn to keep in step with the Spirit. This thing is awesome, y'all. It's awesome. And I don't think we can afford to not have it. So, I wanna close by us taking communion. And as we do, we're just gonna ask the Spirit to fill us. Any of you who want to, I'm, I can't ask for you. You have to ask for yourself, by the way. That's how it works. I'm only filling my gas tank. <laughs> so I'm gonna invite, if you're physically able, would you just stand and let's just have a moment if you've never done these communion cups, they're annoying. You have to peel the top off to get the styrofoam and then you get to the juice. Like I say, we're fanatically practical here. And communion is a great way for us to end this conversation because you know what the Holy Spirit's function is? To testify about Jesus, to remind us of Jesus, to make us like Jesus, to remind us that this whole thing is about Jesus. And Jesus, when he had his last meal with his disciples, this is what he did. He said, everybody take the bread and when you eat it, remember my mission, remember that I did this for you. I broke my body so that you could be right with me. And so let's take communion and let's remember Jesus whose body was broken on our behalf. And the Bible says in the same fashion, he passed the cup around and he said, each of you take it and drink it. And every time you do, remember that my blood was shed so you don't have to pay for your mistakes. You can walk with and be filled with the Spirit. Let's remember the blood of Jesus. And so here's what I've asked. I've asked the worship team to come. It's like one minute. And they're just gonna sing a song, but I wanna invite you. I just wanna give you all space. One minute, one, literally like 90 seconds. Just wherever you're at, we wanted to give you an opportunity to just invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. Spirit, fill me. I want to be filled with the Spirit again for the first time. If you've never said yes to Jesus, it does start there. So maybe, you're, maybe your prayer is just to ask Jesus to come into your life. If that's you, then start there. But we just wanted to give you on the back end of this message and communion about 90 seconds to yourself where you can have a moment and just, if you would like, invite the Spirit. Go, Holy Spirit, if this is true, I need it. Will you come fill me? 
And then I'm gonna come put a benediction. I'm gonna pray a benediction over us that Paul said in just a minute. Desi, why don't you lead us? Towards the end of one of Paul's letters, he wrote this prayer, and I want to pray this over you, kind of as a benediction as we close, for you, Cape Christian, on the back end of this weekend, whether you're here or online. Cape Christian, I pray that you, out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, and so that Christ may be dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power along with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ and that you would know his love that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of fullness of God. And now him, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine according to his power that it is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.